Miss Heather Danielle Cannon has been missing since 2009. It's been two weeks since Kimberly Flick disappeared. Miss Heather Danielle Cannon has been missing since 2009. It's been two weeks since Kimberly Flint disappeared. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Into the Hornet's Nest. I'm Aiden. Today we're going to be remembering Kenley and Kaylee out of Maybank, Texas. I will give you a warning before we get into the story. It does involve the murder of two young children that you are not comfortable with. I highly recommend just going ahead and exiting uh, this podcast. Thank you. I do want to take a quick moment to thank everybody for just clicking on us. This is our pilot episode. It's a one-man production, and I'm very excited to finally share these stories and these cases with the world. You can always uh, find us on our website, hornetsnestpod.com. It's also where we have all of our source notes description. For today, we're going to be remembering Kenley and Kaylee out of Maybank, Texas. They were two absolutely precious young ladies that were taken from this world just far too soon. Uh, the girls were five and seven at the time of their murder, and they were killed by their mom, Sarah. If you would like, I have in the description also linked the uh, virtual grave for both of the girls, for Kenley and Kaylee. So if you want to leave a note or virtual flower it would be so wonderful to do and just something so small and so kind for 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 them and for the family Kinley Elizabeth Pallet was born on January 21st of 2012 her older sister Kaylee Danielle Hall was born on June 18th of 2010 they were, when I say precious, like, like, adorable. They had those sweet curly blonde hair. They had just these big, bright, beautiful eyes and those big toothy grins. And neighbors, friends, family all say the same thing, that those two girls were so kind and so warm and just such genuine sweethearts. Uh, one of the neighbors, Miss Jalen Palmer, is quoted saying, that the girls would ride their bikes over at her house. They would draw pictures for her. They would even like leave pictures that they drew in the mailbox for their neighbors to find when they like what kind of five-year-old does that? That's just so cute and so sweet. And 
Like, they would even gang up on their little brother, Wyatt, because, you know, it's two older sisters and one little brother. They're totally in charge. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they were just, they were so normal and they were so sweet. The girls even, they were really into cheerleading. Um, Kaylee had about a year or so before the events unfolded into a cheer squad for her age group in the area and her little sister Kinley would just follow her around and try to like learn the cheers and would just uh, they were they were best friends they didn't really fight they got along so well and they did everything together they loved swimming at their grandmother's house they loved hanging out and playing with anybody that would even want to entertain them for a moment they were very good-hearted kids and it's really, really sad what happened to them. So their biological mother, Sarah, and her husband, Jake, they live in a small trailer just off of Forest Lane Drive, just east of uh, Highway 198. The couple had three children in total from separate relationships. Jake was not the biological father of Kaylee or Kinley. He was their adopted father, their stepfather. But he was, he, he, he's their dad. The family actually lived about a mile-ish away from Cedar Creek Lake, which again, for those of y'all who aren't local to uh, East Texas, it's kind of like, <clears throat> like our beach. <laughs> but no, seriously. It's a really popular area for locals to go out and, you know, leisure for sport, lots of fishing, lots of hanging out. I have found some really cool minerals out there. It's a place that I've been a zillion times, a place that my family still goes to. And I wish I lived in Railway. That's sick. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I'm jealous of the location, which is really weird to talk about. I I'm getting off topic. The day that this case happened, it's definitely not warm enough to go out to the lake or enjoy that type of leisure activity. No, it was actually November the 1st. Fall was finally starting to settle over East Texas. It's the day after temperatures in the 70s. It's the, in my opinion, it's the best time of the year in Texas. Late October, early November, it's just, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's beautiful. I do want to put down a little context. Well, not context, but like, I, I gotta explain something real quick. I don't think I mentioned. So, uh, the couple's last name is Henderson and the captain is also Henderson. I just want to throw that out there before we, we, before we get any further. Thanks. At 1129 PM, Henderson County 911 receives a call. Jake gives him a ring because his wife, Sarah, seems to be having some sort of mental break. She is claiming that there is somebody out to get her. She isn't safe, that she needs to leave. And yes, she is diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which I am, I am not a, a psychologist like I'm, I'm not even gonna even try to attempt there's some really good resources on bipolar disorder in these source notes i think it's really important that we educate ourselves on this type of diagnosis 
So Jake, being a concerned husband, calls 911. Actually, hear Jake in the 911 call uh, telling the operator, and I quote, my wife, she's like, I don't know. Something's going on with her. Like she's freaking out like somebody is out to get her. Take a listen for yourself. What's going on with her? Like she's, like she's freaking out like somebody's out to get her. She won't listen to me. She won't talk to me. We're going to get help on the way. I'm putting some information for him, okay? Okay, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. Yes, I'm I'm okay. You're not good. Okay, I promise. Is she violent? No, ma'am. Does she have a weapon? No, I don't know if it's just me, but Jake sounds calm. Like he sounds like this is not the biggest deal in the world that possibly maybe this is, you know, stuff that they deal with less often than not, but still often enough to have a procedure in place. Uh, Henderson County PD did state that they've only ever been called out to the Henderson family residence one other time. Sarah being in the front yard and, and screaming, but nothing, nothing else, nothing to indicate that she's like a consistent danger or that she's a threat or, or, or things like that. And at this point, Jake seemed pretty hesitant about having the EMS come out. Like he's kind of wanting to believe his wife. He's kind of wanting to believe 911 dispatch. Like I, I probably should have her checked out, but she's saying she's okay. And she's acting fine right now. Uh, she should, uh, whatever. So the dispatch says, you know what? Hey, let's just go ahead and come out. It'll be fine. He's like, word, great, thanks. Hangs up the phone. About eight minutes later, he calls 911 again to cancel the call. He gets a different dispatch agent. It's like, hey guys, I just called. That My wife was having some issues. She's okay now. We don't need any help. Please just cancel the call. Okay, EMS cancels the call and move on with their day. However, there was a police officer in the area and had already received the initial call from dispatch and went ahead and checked it out anyway. While they were there, they questioned Jake, talked to Sarah, and they declared that she was fine. She was not a threat to herself. She's not a threat to her children. She's not a threat to her husband. That everything is good to go. Police had arrived at around 11.45 at night. Keep this in mind. This is a very, very short window. 15 minutes from the first 911 call. It dropped. Another 911 call was made incoming to the Henderson residence. Eight minutes had passed. They called again to say, never mind. And by 11.45, there's a police officer there. So 16 minutes in total. This is not a huge chunk of time between Sarah having this audible meltdown to being okay enough to, to pass a police officer. 
to convince an officer that she's fine. And we don't know a lot about what happened after the police left. However, it is safe to assume that they had gone to bed. It's a Wednesday, technically Thursday morning by the time the clock strikes midnight. They went to bed. We know this. The girls actually fell asleep in the living room. I don't know if this was common practice, but I know that when I was a kid, there were definitely had stayed up late or you know, my parents were like, hey, let's watch a movie or whatever the situation may be. And I pass out in the living room and I'm just like, mm -mm, leave me here. Do not touch me. I'm out. I don't know if it was something like that. I don't know. Jake went to bed after Sarah. In fact, Jake said that she was already passed out when he got in bed. That sometime before 2.30 a.m., Sarah slipped out of bed. Sarah then retrieved a handgun and made her way out to the living room where her children slept. Sarah aimed at each of her girls and fired once in the head. The girls were pronounced dead on scene. Once she was finished with her children, her way to the bedroom that she shared with her husband creeped back in, crawled on top of him, pointed the gun at his face as he slept, and pulled the trigger. The gun, however, jammed, and Jake was spared. He did wake up when off. In a panic, the first thing Sarah said was, babe, I shot the kids. And Jake, you know, I'm with him. I wouldn't believe that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You shot our kids. Excuse me? Why? No, it's got to be a dream. You know, it's 2.30 in the morning. But then he says, wait a second, we have a gun in my head. So he pushes her off. He into the living room <sighs> rushes into the living room to see Kenley and Kaylee the sweet vivacious bubbly cheerleading duo dead from gunshot wounds at 2.30 a.m. Jake called Henderson County 911 to report the murder of the girls. I will warn you, the call is hard to listen to. If you would like to skip it, you are more than welcome to fast forward about two and a half minutes. Henderson County, 911. Yes. My, my wife, my, my wife is shot her kid. What is her name, sir? Sarah Henderson. Sarah Henderson? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right, and how old are the children? Seven and five. 
And they're in the bedroom? Huh? Are they in the bedroom, sir? No, they're in the living room. They're in the living room and they're not breathing? No. Were you home when she did this or did you just get home? I was asleep. You were asleep? trying to leave or anything, correct? She keeps saying somebody's after her. There's nobody after her. There's nothing. She keeps saying people are coming. There's nobody even here. children asleep in the living room or did they get up? Do you know? Yeah, they, were, they were asleep. They were asleep in the living room and then she went in there? Yeah. Okay. She was asleep when I went to sleep last night and I woke up. She came in there and she goes, babe, I just shot the kids. And I, I, I didn't want to believe it. I went in there and they were, they were dead. You can hear Sarah in the background of the 911 call screaming, why did I do that? Babe, babe, why did I do that? At the same time, she begins to try to choke herself, which I don't think the human body will allow yourself. Anyway, Sarah had kept up this act, and I'm going to call it an act, until the deputies arrived. The reason that I'm calling it an act is, remember, just a few hours ago, not even three full hours ago. She was displaying signs of a mental You can hear Sarah in the background of the 911 call screaming, why did I do that, babe, babe, why did I do that? At the same time, she begins to try to choke herself, which I don't think the human body will allow you to yourself. Anyway, Sarah had kept up this act, and I'm going to call it an act, until the deputies arrived. The reason that I'm calling it an act is, remember, just a few hours ago, not even three full hours ago, she was displaying signs of a mental breakdown, then magically stopped when Jake said that he was going to call the police, and then he's okay enough to for them to be like, yep, she's fine. No issues here. We're Gucci. Then she had to go to bed and like go to sleep. Go to sleep hard enough, quote unquote, that her husband was convinced that she was passed out. Had to wake up without waking him. Which I don't... Yes, I, I understand the idea of how did he not wake up when Sarah shot the girls. Listen, Jake works construction. Okay, if anybody in construction, you are around the loudest, heaviest machinery 24-7. Okay, not literally, but you know what I'm saying. I can only imagine his hearing is not the best or is so familiarized with loud banging, popping noises that it does not phase him. Like if I hear a loud noise, if I hear a car start up, I'm jumping. 
I'm a jumpy little bean. However, people that work in those kind of jobs aren't. And he probably has worked so hard that he's just flat passed out, can't pick up. You know what I mean? Um, Jake Henderson is a fantastic father to those girls. He always, always loved them and took very good care of them. I do not want to hear any hate on him or anything disrespectful about him. Now that that's out of the way. So yeah, I'm definitely going with it's an act. And the reason that I'm saying that it's an act is everything I just told you. I just gave you not even three hours of her being in a breakdown that was staged so she could likely try to plead insanity because there's already a documentation of a 911 call due to her mental issue. Or she said, ah, oh, fuck, he got cops involved already. I got to play it cool, like work Gucci, you know what I'm saying? That way, like, I'll just pass out. I'll just get them then. Because she confessed to planning this for weeks. This was not a psychosis episode, okay? I know psychosis episodes. I take so many antidepressants. She used her mental illness as a way to blame the crime or tried to. And that's fucked up. That's what gives mental illness such a terrible stigma is people like this. She just, she touches on so many nerves, y'all. She kills children. She cries wolf. Just a gross monster. She confessed to the police that she had been planning this for weeks. And that neighbor that I mentioned earlier, Miss Jalen Palmer, um, I'll actually, I'll put in a clip of her here in just a second. Um, but she was quoted talking about how this has affected their lives and how the girls played a role in their lives. The kids would visit her to come and play. They would draw, like I said earlier, they would leave, they would draw them pictures and leave the pictures in the mailbox so that the Palmers, when they would get the mail, they would find the little pictures that they would draw. Those little girls were so adorable. They would come over here on their little bicycles with mini wheels and ride around our circle drive. Not easy to even think about. The, they innocent little girls. They just, it breaks our heart. And, God, I know, it's just sad. And Jalen did not know Sarah or Jake. Um, they live like a house and a half over, uh, which they had a good, good chunk of land between each and every one of them. Um, so, you know, a bicycle ride, not so much of a, you got a fence separating you. <laughs> but um, Mrs. Palmer had said that nothing like this had ever happened to her or her husband so close to home, something so tragic. And it, um, it absolutely devastated the entire community. Now that we know that Sarah planned this, 
was not a spur of the moment thing. This was her. Just she said that life and stuff was the reason that she did it. That it was it just got to her that it was too much. And so to her, the only solution was to murder her children and her husband. So she was uh, initially charged with uh, two counts of capital murder, one count of conspiracy to murder, one count of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The uh, aggravated assault charge was later dropped because of the two capital punishment charges. If y'all don't know, in Texas, we consider capital murder, like, the worst thing that you can do. Capital murder is a little bit different from, like, regular murder. So homicide is, like, the general term that, like, is the blanket of everything. To be charged with murder is, I am gonna go to the gas station and pew pew somebody and unalive them. I don't know who, I'm just gonna go do it. And then that's murder. Uh, capital murder is if I were to go and like kill somebody under the age of 10, a uh, law enforcement officer, um, somebody that's involved in an upcoming trial, that, that like, a, like a future witness, then it becomes capital. And it's the only offense in the state that is punishable by death. That's it. So Sarah decided not to have a trial by jury and pled guilty to the two counts of capital murder. For her plea deal, she avoided the death sentence. So instead, she is imprisoned for the rest of her life without the possibility of parole. She is incarcerated in the Gatesville, Texas uh, Women's Correctional Facility called Mountain View Prison. And that's where she will spend the rest of her days. Well guys, we did it we got through our first episode. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment and thank everybody who has already been so engaging in social media with me. I'm absolutely blown away by not only the support and interest in this show, but the absolute genuine wantingness of helping to bring and uh, solve these cases and and help raise awareness and take care of each other. I know that we are in a really shitty time in our lives, collectively as, as humanity. But I hope that that we can can work together to better our future for one another. And I'm excited to guys and share stories and swap tales and thank you for being here.